you could see the audience. And then it was like, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. There are so many people, plus like all of the cameras and like America watching. It's fine. Um, but that's a different story. <laughs> Hey, Islanders, and welcome to episode 98 of the Commando Voice. Today I speak with a Broadway actress and a Tony Award nominee. Please welcome Caitlin Kinnanen. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson, and you're listening to the Commando Voice podcast, where I interview folks around Commando Island and beyond. If you want to stay up to date on events, businesses, and even hear a little history of this area, Subscribe to this podcast and share with your friends. Thanks for listening. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Commando Voice, where we release a new episode every Tuesday. On this episode, I got to speak with Caitlin Kinnanen, who is a Broadway actress uh, who's also starred in some TV shows um, for minor roles. And then uh, she's also a Tony Award nominee uh, for the play Prom. She played one of the leads in that play, so... Um, and on top of that, she's also performed in the Macy's Day Parade um, and uh, so many more things. So um, I knew Caitlin, I knew her a little bit growing up. Uh, she was actually the little sister to a gal, um, to obviously her older sister, um, who was in my age group. So I knew her sister a little bit better than her. She was like the little younger sister. Um, but I followed her journey a little bit as, you know, as I've grown up and um, you know, it's always big news if someone from Kameno goes and performs on Broadway and then continues to perform on Broadway. Um, so, um, and she happens to be back due to COVID uh, and the fact that Broadway got shut down. Um, so uh, I thought this was a great opportunity to be able to reach out to her and see if she'd be up for a podcast. And she was completely up for it. Uh, and so we had a great conversation, um, so much so that I broke this into two pieces, um, two podcasts. So uh, this is going to be part one. Uh, you'll get to hear her story of how she got to Broadway. Um, and then part two, we'll continue on the story of that. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Caitlin Kinnanen. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Kamena Voice. Today I'm here with um, a gal who played Emma Nolan in Prom, uh, a Tony Award nominated, and then also performed in the Macy's Day Parade. Welcome to the podcast, Caitlin Kinnanen. Hello. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. So before we get started, tell us a little bit about Caitlin. All right. Well, you, you gave me a great start. I'm Caitlin. Um, <laughs> I am an actress. I do mostly musical theater, but I also do some film and television. Um, I'm most well known for, which sounds silly, but playing Emma Nolan in the prom musical on Broadway. Um, I worked on the show for about five years. We were on Broadway for nine months. Um, I got nominated for a Tony Award. Um, and it was crazy, but that's like me. That's what I've done most recently. I have always done theater. It's what I love. And I grew up on Kameno. Nice. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. So, um, so you grew up on Kameno. Um, Tell us just, you know, did you did you actually, like, you guys didn't move here, like, you were born? No, I was born here. Not okay. literally, I was born in Everett, because that's where the hospitals are. Um, but no, I grew up on Kameno. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my um, parents built a house here while my mom was pregnant with me. Um, there are all of these fantastic photos of her, just, like, very pregnant and building a house um and so, so yeah so when you say built the house they were the they ones building built it? the house yeah they like oh, spent okay. a long time like 
do building a house. I don't know how people do that. Um, but yeah, they did that. And so I've lived on Camino my whole life. Um, and yeah, they've been there since, since then. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> um, so, so actually I wonder that I didn't have this in the questions, but uh, it, it struck me as funny the other day. Um, so you have an older sister. I do. Yes. yes. Um, and I actually know you through her because she was in the same kind of, mm-hmm. you know, age group as me. Yeah. So you were in line at the marketplace the other day <laughs> and I introduced you to one of my, uh, coworkers as Julia's little sister. That's me. Which I'm sure you have not been referred to that in a long time. <laughs> no, but I love it. It's so, it's funny. Cause like I, I've been living in New York for the last 12 years and like, it's always a thing that it's like, oh yeah, I also have the sister. Like I am, I'm part of a team and here people know, people are like, oh my gosh, you're Julia's sister. I'm like, heck yeah, I am. <laughs> That's right. She's mine. Um, but yeah, I have an older sister. Very cool. She's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my wife and her are pretty good friends and they, they message pretty often back and forth. I love it. So she's kind of the best human ever. So she's that, great. That yeah. makes sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So growing up on uh, Little Camino then, uh, how did you get first get started in theater? Um, I got started in theater because of my sister, actually. My mom put her in theater camps, I guess you could say, um, because she didn't want us to be afraid of public speaking. And so my okay. sister started doing these classes and these theater camps. And I was like, well, I want to do that too. So at a very young age, I also started doing classes in camps and theater productions and just having fun with it. And so it's kind of been what I've done always. It's mm-hmm. just like a part of me. Um, but yeah, so it's all Julia's fault <laughs> that we're here today. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> She'll love that. <laughs> so then with it then, what was it that, <clears throat> like as you started doing theater, what was it that really intrigued you in it? What was it that kind of caught your attention about theater? Well, it's fun. <laughs> um, you get to pretend to be other people. You get to use your creativity. You get to use your imagination and your intellect. And you get to do all of this like research into what makes people people or what makes anything anything. You know, we can play trees and like fairies and you know all sorts of different things so you just get to explore theater is about performing is about exploring Mm -hmm. and I think especially as children (laughs) to be given that freedom to just explore yeah is really powerful and so I think at a young age it was like oh this is cool and then it just kept going and then it was like oh wait I can continue to explore because you're never done exploring as a human being. And so theater and art and performing just kind of like, I think go really hand in hand with being human beings. And so I just kept doing it. Yeah. So (laughs) then as you were doing this, I guess, what was your first, um, theater, you know, play that you were involved with? Oh gosh. Um, (laughs) to, to my memory, it was at, oh gosh, one of, I think it was at, uh, we did it at Port Susan Middle School. Okay. And it was uh, it was a musical about a snowflake uh, falling to the ground. And there was an ice cream truck involved. And I played a snowflake. Very cool. Yeah, that's, that's the first thing I did. Um, <laughs> yay. Were you the star of the show then? I was not. No, oh. no, no, no. 
Um, I was just like a tiny snowflake hanging out in the back. It was awesome with a thousand other children, <laughs> the same age, all dressed like snowflakes. Um, no, but the first professional show I did was Annie at Village Theater in okay. Issaquah and Everett. Um, and I was, oh gosh, I was 11 when I did that. Nice. But that was that was the first like professional thing I did. But I had done many children's theater productions before. <laughs> okay. So then as you were doing, like you did some early ones, what were ones that kind of stood out to you um, that really kind of captured you? I mean, I think Annie was really the point where it was like, oh, wait, people actually do this. Because up until that point, it had just been fun. It had just mm-hmm. been like me hanging out with my friends, creating and having a good time. And then it was like, wait, people do this for a living. Like, people just perform, and they get to, like, do this as adults. They just <laughs> they just keep doing it. And so I think that was, like, the first experience I had where I was like, oh, I can keep doing this. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not something that I have to, like, let go of to, quote, unquote, become an adult. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think, like, from there on out, kind of everything really stood out to me because – I learned so much from every experience. Mm-hmm. That's another thing I love about it is yeah. that each thing you do is completely different yeah. and kind of requires a new set of skills that mm-hmm. you may or may not have and you figure it out and you learn and grow and all of that good stuff. Um, but yeah, Annie was like kind of the catalyst for that. Yeah. So when, uh, when you were getting involved in that, um, you had been doing just like community and small mm-hmm. theater stuff. And then when you were going to do that... Um, what role were you going for? And then how did that all kind of play out? Yeah. So originally it had been that, uh, they sent out this like casting call that was like, we're looking for kids to play orphans. And I was like, cool, I could be an orphan. And then I ended up getting cast as one of the Annie's. Um, they double cast it because it's the role of Annie and we were 11. So they were (laughs) like, we should do this. Um, so me and this other girl played the role of Annie. And so I ended up being the lead in the show. And I was like, wait, what? Um, so that was like, I don't know, that was crazy. Um, and then from there, I just kept doing more. Um, it never really stopped. And what was cool is that I did all of this professional work, but I still was doing these classes in camps, um, and still doing it for fun. I kind of like just did it as much as often anytime I could. Um, cause I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Very cool. So uh, when you did it with Village Theater, that's mm-hmm. still that's still not paid or anything, right? That's Annie was. It was. So they okay. do have they have the kids stage program, which is for kids, where okay. it's like essentially like five to eighteen year olds get to take classes and put on shows, but then they have the main stage productions, which are professional theater. They're union. They are paid. It's real. Yeah. Um, So yeah, Annie was um, a a paid gig. Okay. um, Which was at 11 crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So then how was that? So as you went through that whole process then, um, was it something that you were, um, was it something that at that point you were like, wow, I wonder if I could take this main or was it still something you were just like, oh, this was a cool like one-off thing that I got to do? Um combination that it definitely was like, oh, this is just a cool opportunity, but wouldn't it be awesome if I got to keep doing it? Yeah. And luckily I got to keep doing it. Um, at that point I really started taking like private voice lessons and really getting into it and like putting work into it instead of just the fun elements. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, so I did that. And then I did um, The Secret Garden at Village, uh, which was another professional main stage show. And then I did The Music Man there. And then I ended up getting a show at the Fifth Avenue in Seattle. So it just kind of kept snowballing. It's okay. like one thing leads to another. Um, I also worked at Seattle Children's Theater. So I kind of like made the rounds in Seattle at that point of professional theater. Okay. Which, you know, at the age, ages like 11 <laughs> to 15, it was crazy. Yeah. So then what was that like for you? So you, you were with Village for a while then mm-hmm. doing different shows. Yeah. Um, when did you make that jump to Fifth Avenue and what was that like? Um, was that, is that a lot bigger? I always think in my head that that's a lot bigger. It is a huge theater. It's just, it's, it's interesting because I feel like people always think of theaters as like, oh, well, that's a big theater. That's a small theater. When really it's like, in my opinion it never really matters. Like you're doing the same thing. Like the size of the venue doesn't change anything. You're <laughs> still acting. You're yeah. still putting on a musical or a play. Um, so like from the actor's perspective, it's it's like, whatever, it doesn't matter. Whereas like village theater, the seating capacity when I was doing shows there, I think it's changed. It was like 400. Okay. Um, the theater at the fifth Avenue is 2000. Okay. You know, so it's, it is huge, but you're doing the same thing. You're still yeah. singing and acting and dancing. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't change because there are more people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I started village. I worked at like 11, 12, 13, 14. I did the show at the fifth when I was 14, I think. And then I worked at Seattle children's theater when I was 15. Okay. Um, and at that point I, uh, got my first audition for a Broadway show and moved to New York when I was 16. <laughs> okay. So, so yeah. How did, I guess, first of all, how did that come about? Um, how, yeah, how did that come about? <laughs> yes, good question. Um, so there was an open call, which is something where it's like anyone can go to it. You just line up and you audition. Uh, so there was an open call for the touring production of Spring Awakening, which had recently opened on Broadway. It was a huge hit. Um, it got nominated for many Tony Awards. Um, I don't remember the exact number. I want to say it was like, I don't know. I don't remember. But it was a lot. Um, so it was a big deal. And they were casting the tour, mm-hmm. which means that it would like go across the country performing all over. Um, and so I was like, oh, cool. I'll audition for that. Like all my friends are like, I might as well jump off the cliff too. Um, <laughs> and so I, I went and I auditioned for it and I ended up getting three callbacks in New York. And at that point they were like, you're actually too young to go on tour with the show. Um, it dealt with some like pretty adult content and it was illegal in some States for okay. me to be in the show. Um, <laughs> so they were like, you can't go on tour, but we want you to be in the Broadway production. And I was like, Oh, okay. That's fine, I guess. What? <laughs> um, I was like, that's a real bummer. No, that's amazing. <laughs> um, so when I was 16, they called and they were like, hey, can you be in New York in two weeks? Um, and I was like, mom? Uh, and my mom and my dad, of course, because they're incredible, were like, we can't say no to this opportunity because it may not present itself again so let's do it um and so my mom and I moved to New York with two weeks notice uh leaving my dad and my sister in Washington uh (laughs) my sister moved out shortly after that and came to live in New York with me and my mom okay um and I my mom stayed for two and a half years and I stayed for 12 okay um yeah it was 
Wow. A lot. But... What was that like for you, like, to, from getting the call back to, like, talking to your parents and saying, like, <laughs> okay, I'm going to completely, like, throw a wrench into the whole <laughs> of what we think normal family yep, life is right exactly. now. Exactly. Um, it was chaos and overwhelming, I would say. Those are my two words. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> but it was good because it was, like, it was everything I had wanted to do. Yeah. So I got the opportunity to do it, which was amazing. Yeah. Nice. So what, how did that go then? When you showed up there, was that like that? I mean, obviously everyone knows Broadway's the kind of top of the line. Yeah. What was that like for you getting there day one? Um, a lot. It was, well, this is where it's, it's kind of weird that it's like, I now know that all theaters are the same. Like you're just doing a show. You're just putting on, this production Mm -hmm. you know it doesn't matter the size of the house it doesn't matter where you are it doesn't matter if it's broadway or regional or whatever you're just doing a show it's okay (laughs) whereas 16 year old caitlin was like oh my god what am i doing (laughs) um i was so nervous so overwhelmed it was completely scary and terrifying um it was a lot i was not ready (laughs) for it um but, like, I, it was definitely one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. But now it's, like, I wouldn't change that for the world because it, like, shaped the performer I am today. Because yeah. I could say yes and get through it. And we did it. And I made my Broadway debut, and it was terrifying but <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> that's, that is that's so cool. So what was that? I mean, you're saying... <clears throat> theater is the same regardless of where you're at. Because for mm-hmm. you, you're still doing a show. Yeah. But... It's got to feel different when you open up the curtains and there's 400 people. And then when you go to the Fifth Avenue and there's 2,000 people. That's what's weird, though, is that it doesn't. Okay. Because, at least in my experience, ask another performer, they will have another answer. But, like, for me, I can't see the audience. Okay. Like, there are, like, ginormous bright stage lights on us, and it kind of blinds you. Okay. So you you can see the people on stage you're with, but if you look out into the audience, it's just, like, high beams okay. looking at you. <laughs> so you can't, you see maybe, like, at least I see maybe, like, the first four rows okay. of people. And not, like, like not like we're sitting right now, just, yeah. like, across from each other, but it's, like, I can see heads. your shape. I can see if someone's wearing glasses. But you can't see, like real detail yeah and so like after that four rows it could be a stadium or it could be the back wall you don't see it and so it's the old saying of like out of sight out of mind yeah it doesn't really make a difference yeah yeah the one the one place it did make a difference but it was all because of the lighting is at the tony awards we performed at radio city music hall in new york city which is huge (laughs) and the lighting was set up that it wasn't like high beams in your face and so you could see the audience and then it was like oh my god (laughs) oh my god there are so many people plus like all of the cameras and like america watching it's fine (laughs) um but that's a different story (laughs) yeah no and for sure i want to get into all of that um so then um, you guys, you were in the Broadway production. And then mm-hmm. part of the thing that I think of when um, I, I'm, I don't know what it is, but I, I don't, I have a hard time necessarily, I guess, living 
right in the moment, I always want, think a couple steps oh, ahead. Oh, God, yes, always. And so I'm always like, okay, <laughs> this is great, but then what? So like even yeah. like running a business or in my career or whatever, I'm like, okay, like I could continue doing this job for as long as I decide to do it. So I'm fine. Like I yeah. feel fine after that. In the acting world, you've got, you have a very hard line in the sand that's like, uh-huh. all right, when that's over, I'm unemployed. Yes. What was you that are like? Correct. Especially as you were, you would make this big move, life changing for mm-hmm. you, your family. What was that like as the Broadway show was starting to come to a close? What was that? What it's was going through your head? Horrible. And it, never stops and you never get used to it because that's just that's the life of a performer is that you have these contracts you go and do a show if you're lucky you'll be in a long-running Broadway show and be able to stay in it for as many years as you want there are people that that does happen to Mm -hmm. there are people who have been in Wicked for 15 years and that's amazing (laughs) but most of the time you get to be in a show for like nine months a year two years at that and then you either move on or it closes and you have to find something else. And then if you're doing regional work, it's like two months and then you have to find something else. So it's always the like, well, what's next? What am I going to do with my life? What's going on? Am I ever going to have a job again? I don't know. Am I a bad performer? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Um, It's a (laughs) horrible mind game that I believe a lot of actors play with themselves. Uh, And so it's just like you kind of... I guess you get used to it. It always sucks, but you at least learn to acknowledge like this is the gig. This is what it is. Um, But you know, then you throw a global pandemic in the middle (laughs) of it and you're like, cool, will I ever work again? (laughs) Who knows? Let's go live with my parents on Kamado. You know, like it's such a, um, it's such a, unknown being an actor is such an unknown and it's really terrifying um but it's we do what we love and so it's it's worth the hardship because we're passionate about it yeah so So, i'm curious because i'm I'm always thinking (laughs) on like the business side or the psychological side of like what do people extract from that um what are tips and tricks that you've learned to kind of deal with that stress and that like constant? Well, uh, I mean, like I say, I've learned them, but I still struggle with them. Uh, I definitely have anxiety and medication definitely (laughs) helps with that. Um, but I think it's about like really (laughs) embracing the now, Mm -hmm. you know, like stop and think, and don't like dwell on the past. Don't get yourself wrapped up into what's going to happen next. Just stop and be where you are and be present. Mm-hmm. Um, that has been helpful for me when I remember to think that way. Um, because there's really nothing else you can do. Yeah. You know, especially in this career, it's like things are going to happen and things aren't going to happen. And both of those things are okay. Yeah. You just have to keep going. You just have to keep putting one foot in front of the other. Um, and so I think just like constantly reminding yourself of that mm-hmm. and reminding yourself that like your journey is so completely different than anyone else's. You mm-hmm. cannot compare your place in life to anyone else's at any age, whether it's like the same age of, as you, older, younger, you cannot compare yourself to other people because it's separate. And so like you yeah. have to embrace that and you have to be able to be like, no, I'm in the right place. And like my hard work will pay off when, who knows, but it yeah. will. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, like I, I definitely run into that. Like I said, I kind of struggle with living in the now and I, yeah. I keep looking ahead um, but even like I look at my, um, the business side or my family side of 
taking a breather because we have, Mm -hmm. we, I mean, I think most humans, especially if you live in the U.S., you live in some sort of chaos because America is extremely busy. Yeah. As a culture, as individuals, we all have 20 million things that we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we just get hung up on those. And yet, you know, if you have a family, um, you know, I've got four kiddos. I have these, I've got daughters that are 10 now. And so it's like, they're eight years away or sooner, apparently. (laughs) Right? You never know. Watch your back. Could be in six years. You'll find out. (laughs) Hope not. Um, (laughs) But, you know, you've got kids and they're they're over halfway their time that they're living in the house. And so it's kind of like you really have to take that time to breathe and be like, all yes, right. yes. Um, and like, especially in the theater world, everything is so go, go, go. Like, I think people have this, um, like misinformation that like what we do is easy and we just like go and perform every night and like, that's it. And it's like, mm, that's not it. It's so fast paced. It's so just go, go, go. You don't get breaks. You don't get time for yourself. You don't get vacations. You don't get to see your family. Like your life is your work. Yeah. And like, yeah, we're passionate about it and we love it, but it's still work. Yeah. And so this past year has been this huge learning curve for me of like, oh wait, I do need to stop. I need to stop and I need to take breaks and I need to be there for myself at yeah. some point. Because as you said, like America is just so fast paced and like, you're going to burn out. Mm -hmm. And so this year has been super weird to be like, oh, I can take this break and that is okay. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm still here. I'm still like moving and functioning as a human being Mm -hmm. instead of like spontaneously combusting, which (laughs) is apparently what I thought would happen if I stopped. Right. Um, Or you feel guilty. Yeah, exactly. Like I shouldn't be able to stop. I should I should be doing something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's weird, but like, that's, that's what the theater industry is. Yeah. So my follow up question as well then, because the other thing that I I think we all struggle with, especially as business owners or as as Mm -hmm. actresses and actors, um, is how do you take things so that you, because we always take things personally. How do you kind of separate yourself a little bit from that so you don't feel like It's so hard. I struggle with that as well because it's an industry where you are constantly being told no. And you're being told no for reasons that, like, aren't valid reasons. You know, it's like, well, your hair color is wrong. We can't offer you this role. And it's like, put me in a wig. Like, (laughs) what? And so you have to get used to people telling you no and people telling you that like, oh, your body type's not right for this. Your voice type isn't right for this. Your attitude isn't right for this. And it's so degrading and demoralizing and it's horrible. And yet we are here and we are like, okay, I'm going to show up to the next one with a smile on my face. Um, So it's like, it's a weird combination of like getting yourself a thicker skin, but still remaining vulnerable and honest. And then just saying like a big old F you to everyone, you know, it's this weird swirl of everything of like, you just figure out how to deal with it and what that means to each individual is completely different. But for me, it's been about just being like, who cares? Mm -hmm. You know, like I am my own individual self. I think I'm pretty cool. (laughs) I think I'm, okay talent wise and looks wise so like if someone doesn't like that 
it's not my problem. Yeah. <laughs> like I can't change that right. and I don't want to change that. Yeah. So, okay, yeah. whatever, go find someone else who you do like, that's right. okay. Yeah. You know, people are going to have their own opinions and to each their own and whatever floats your boat, all of those sayings, <laughs> you know? So like you want to take things personally, but at the end of the day, you need to learn how to not take them personally. Yeah. That's a lot. That was a lot. That was a big sentence I just said. <laughs> well, I think it's, I do think that's really important. I think that's um, something, like I said, it's something that we all struggle with. But mm-hmm. yes, in the in the acting or the you know the entertainment world, um, I have used this example before on the podcast. But when someone comes to me and says, like, you know, I don't think your coffee's very good, or I don't <laughs> like your croissants, or you know, whatever it is, like they're saying about a product that we've produced, and so yeah. it's like, all right. We have yeah. a whole line of customers that say otherwise, so it's fine. It's different when it's you putting yourself yeah, out there. Yeah, I and myself it to you. am the product. Yeah. I am both the individual making the product and I am the product. Yeah. So yeah, it is different, and it is a lot harder to be like, oh, they don't like the croissant, and I am the croissant. <laughs> oh God. Um, but then you have to say like, well, yeah, I'm a buttery, flaky, awesome croissant, and they can go find a dry one somewhere else. <laughs> so be it. There you yeah. go. <laughs> your croissants are awesome by the way oh. I eat too many of them if anyone ever tells you it's a bad croissant they're wrong <laughs> well thank you we appreciate that <laughs> um, awesome so then uh, uh, so then do you guys have like are you in uh, I guess I'm trying to figure out I was like gonna jump back into the Broadway like <laughs> what was your second thing um, um, but it also, it got me thinking like, so are you currently, I know this is jumping ahead a little bit, but like, are you currently in contact with a lot of other of your, the pe- your peers that you've worked with in the past? Like, how are you guys doing? And are you guys all kind of interacting with each other? Yeah. I mean, like m- your coworkers become your friends. Like mm-hmm. all of my friends are people who I've done shows with mm-hmm. and are people in the industry. And so like, there is a lot of shop talk that happens right now. Uh, it's, <laughs> it, that's an interesting question. Broadway is kind of, uh, in a tailspin at the moment just Mm -hmm. because the pandemic really threw a wrench in things and really um I mean it stopped us it put every performer everywhere out of work it took away our health care it took away our income our livelihood our passion our work um so for the last year it's been really hard for people um to make ends meet to be human beings to be passionate about things. Um, and Broadway is slowly but surely coming back, but like a lot of questions have come up in this time away, you know, um, equality and diversity is a huge thing right now as Mm -hmm. it should be. Um, and a lot of people are asking for Broadway to be more inclusive because it's not a very inclusive place. Um, So we're, you know, saying like, hey, Broadway, you have to end your systemic racism because that's a thing. Um, You also like have to step up and like figure out a better way for healthcare because right now it's all um, our insurance is based on how many weeks we work. So for instance, the last year, none of us have worked any weeks. So all of us essentially were losing our insurance. So there are a lot of these little pitfalls that are like, oh, now that we've stepped away, we realize this is a problem and we have yeah. to figure out how to fix it. So yeah. we're figuring out how to fix it while also figuring out now how to put on live theater 
when there is still a pandemic happening. Right. Um, and what does that mean? What does it look like when half of your company is vaccinated and the other half isn't? You know, there's so many unknowns and questions right now that I think everyone's going into it a little bit like, okay, we will see what happens. And we're all trying our best. We all are ready to put the work in, but like, ooh, it's it's messy and hard right now. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Actually, that um, we'll go... go We'll go back to kind of picking up the story. Um, but that brought up part of the question that my wife was going to ask. Yeah. One of hers, and that was, um, how do you think that this past year will change Broadway for the better um, with all the discussions around that, around racism um, and things like that? Um, and what are you kind of hoping to see change in everything? That is that? a great question. Um, and I hope I can answer it eloquently. Um, I mean, for me... I want Broadway to be inclusive. I want Broadway to be an inclusive and kind environment, and right now it's not. Um, so I really hope that the work that we've been putting into it for the last year pays off. I hope that people listen to each other. I hope that people make changes in both themselves and the world around them, and I realize that that sounds very like <clears throat> idealistic and like rainbows and sprinkles, but like we have to make it a better place. We have to make a difference for the people coming up behind us. And if we don't, that's selfish. Mm -hmm. um, so I really hope that Broadway and the people involved in Broadway, producers, actors, musicians, everyone um, get their shit together yeah. and figure it out and like do the work. Yeah. And do you think, um, because I'm probably a little bit less read on this than my <laughs> wife is. Um, it's okay. Is this, um, I know it probably all flows, stems from the top, but is this more of a um, like upper management thing? Is this a all the way through? Because when I think of Broadway shows or have gone to some mm -hmm. of them, like a lot of them have pretty colorful casts yes. in, from different um, you know, backgrounds and how they see the yeah. world. It's 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 interesting because like yeah Broadway is is diverse you do see people of other colors on the stage but you don't see them in leading roles you mm. most of the time see them in really stereotypical roles and you don't see how they're being treated behind the scenes um which we have learned is not always great oh, okay. um and so it it's kind of like yeah, it does trickle down from the top, but it also seeps in from the sides and from below. Mm. It's everywhere, okay. you know? And, like, there, yeah, there's just so much work to be done and so many people who are trying so hard, and then there are so many people who aren't. Um, and that's really unfortunate. So it's just, like, yeah, we got to fix the top. We got to fix the middle. We got to fix the bottom. We got to fix the walls. Like, everything has to be revamped to create this equitable workspace that is safe for people yeah um so yeah and do you <laughs> feel from the the people you know again your peers and that who you've been talking with does it feel like broadway is taking that seriously or does it feel like they're taking an appeasing route uh some people i think are taking it seriously and some people i think are just appeasing and the people who are just appeasing it's very clear that they are just appeasing and it needs to change <laughs> Yeah. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> Always a fun thing. Always a great time. <laughs> Racism. Uh, yeah. I guess this is also jumping off <laughs> off topic a little bit. Or not off topic, but uh, I, we'll get back to the story, I promise. Um, <laughs> this is all part of the story, so but, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. I, one of the things I've noticed, like, um, I know my wife talked about this some, 
um, when I've had discussions with her, but like uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, when he did Hamilton and he purposely cast, you know, George mm-hmm. Washington as black and like did these different things, a lot of people, he was trying to show like, it's a theater. It's all acting. It's it's a yes. representation of what's happened. Mm-hmm. It's not historically, like we don't have to be historically accurate. Yes. And now, and this is like with a huge caveat that I am not the be all end all on this. And I am just speaking from my personal opinions and they are not as well said as I would like them to be. So there's that. Um, but there's a difference between colorblind casting and color conscious casting and colorblind casting can be detrimental because it is just like, oh yeah, you can play whoever, it doesn't matter. Color conscious casting, to my knowledge, again, speaking from just what I've absorbed, so please don't kill me. Um, (laughs) Color conscious casting is saying like, we are choosing to put you in this role because it does make a difference and it does further the story. You know, it's about like, it's about writing what you want to see, you know, like we need to have more black stories being told. We need to have more stories that aren't just like, oh, well, this can be about anyone, you know? No, like tell a different story because their story like fully deserves to be heard, Yeah, you know? So there's, it, it gets, it's so nuanced and detailed and I Mm -hmm. think a lot of the times that just gets like washed over with like oh my god it's fixed and it's like no it's not fixed it's like (laughs) sure we're heading in the right direction but Mm -hmm. at what speed you know so yes yeah I don't I don't know if that answered any of what you were trying to get me to answer but that (laughs) is my thoughts on it I don't know no I think I actually I think that was a very important point to make because I think that is something um regardless of how we you know, approach the subject of racism, I think different generations have had different approaches Mm -hmm. to it. And, um, you know, I've learned, I'm trying to learn a lot over Mm -hmm. this last year, still a lot to learn and still a lot of understanding, but I have at least been made aware of a lot of the plight of people that are not white and straight and live in America. They live a totally different world. It's like a parallel dimension next to, uh, you know, next to other people. And so... Um, starting to realize some of those things that it is different for those people. Yeah. Um, they don't get the same opportunities that we get. And mm-hmm. so um, I think that was a very good distinction to make because I think and to I th- your average person, that kind of sounds like... Yes, and I think, again, to the average person, they see theater as this like amazing community where everyone is accepted and celebrated, which it is, but it's also still racist. And there are also still huge issues within the community. And so, like, we're not this perfect bubble of inclusion that people think we are. And we need we need to be, mm-hmm. you know. So it's all a work in progress. Yeah. <laughs> but people got to keep showing up and doing the work. Right. We got to be able to show up to do the work first. Yes. Reopen yes. Theaters. Well, a big thank you to Caitlin Kennanen for joining me on the podcast today. And thank you for listening. Remember to come back next week for part two. For more information on this episode, you can go to kamenocommons.com slash EP98. That's kamenocommons.com slash EP98. Thanks for listening and see you next time.